Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. with a bit of a skeleton crew uh, today. It's just me and Pierce. I think everyone else is, you know, they may say they have some sort of scheduling conflict, but let's be honest, they're they're really still working off those tiki drinks. Could could be. Um, I, I mean, the, the older I get, the more, and also in this new world of like going back and visiting places, um, you take a you take a quote unquote vacation or a couple of days away and you really need another day to, to reset. And, and, uh, I'm definitely looking towards the middle and the end of the year and thinking about taking a couple days off, um, where I just don't, don't do anything. Um, and I mean, one thing I definitely like to do when I'm having those decompression times, and I've thought about it the last couple nights is, well, Throwing on, throwing on a movie, trying to get up with what's current. I need to watch uh, Drive My Car here when I have a, a spare three hours. Um, but I don't know. That's there's there's also some music that I want to get caught up on too. And this is all germane because we are kind of in the midst of of award season, or, or maybe at the tail end. I think the Grammys are coming soon. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't really tell you. Um, but let's let's also just pause and recognize this is a pretty big shift for you wanting days off to just do nothing, mm-hmm. given that we not terribly long ago recorded a whole podcast about how the thought of that made you break out in hives. It, it does. And I should caveat this and clarify that when I say do nothing, I mean that there are things I want to do in, in my backyard and in, in my garden areas that I have not on weekends. I'm like, oh, I'm going to do them. And then all of a sudden you go grocery shopping and you do one social thing and you have no time. for. <laughs> and that. it's so, like 7 p.m. on Sunday. Yeah, it's it's like those commercials back in there. It's like, are you using a day off to 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 go to the doctor? Basically, it's that, <laughs> that that's what it is. Um, yeah, so, so last Sunday, uh, we, we arrived back to our, our respective homes from our, our trip to Raleigh and I did not watch either of the two Sunday basketball games, which was actually a stroke of genius because they turned out to be, uh, utterly boring, mm-hmm. uh, and I, and I didn't watch the Oscars either, uh, because who who watches the Oscars anymore? A question yeah. that I think we'll we'll take on at some point during the course of this conversation. Uh, but you know, I was like sitting in bed and scrolling Twitter, and then started seeing tweets and messages in group texts about what we'll just we'll call the incident because the point of this podcast is not to talk about will smith slapping chris rock or 
I didn't any, say anything about it. Or any of the really almost any of the attendant circumstances around it. We're not going to talk about the conversation about it, which has been even dumber than I possibly could have imagined it to be. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I I wound up consuming, uh, you know, even just in the fact that that was like the only 30 seconds of the Academy Awards ceremony that I saw, um, that is the sum total of my Oscars watching of the last, I don't know, five years? Yeah. So I, I do want to pause and say we should give all, all due credit to at Bubba Prague, Timothy Burke. <laughs> Um, yes. who who had it with the Japanese language feed of the incident that I will not name, um, and then called out Barstool for for uh, for jacking his, his stuff, which he did immediately say they've done it for years. Let me take this opportunity again to tell them to go kick rocks while falling off a cliff. Which is he didn't say that, but that's what I'm saying and right. how he felt as well. And then someone stepped to him on it. Some dumb stooly step to him and he was like hey do you know who i am do you know what i do well, well and the the person said oh what you were actually watching it you pulled it from somewhere which if you've ever seen his tv setup he has about 50 tvs going at any time so right. so leave leave at bubba prog alone he, he is screen capping everything at all times yeah um uh, but you're, you know, that being the, the your most Oscars content in, in five years, what we're not talking about is um, Coda winning for Best Picture, which is a huge surprise. Surprises don't usually happen at the last movie award show. Um, a, a, a movie that in, uh, involves uh, people that are hearing impaired in, in deaf uh, and, and that being a really big component of it. We're also not talking about um uh quest love who who is just i mean he is a renaissance man there's there's got to be a better word for it an ombudsman um <laughs> uh he just does everything and this is a man who's well on his way to to i hope an egot and you know we're not talking about him and it leads me to this question of why are we doing awards shows anymore it's a it's a very good question and you know, funnily enough, like there, there recently had been some conversation uh, about not the Oscars, but about like whether the Golden Globes would even continue to exist as an awards ceremony. And like, I don't know. I think the answer is pretty clearly anything that doesn't really need to be an awards show probably shouldn't be an awards show. But it's it's a tricky thing because, you know, on, on the one hand, we have these sort of creative forms, uh, you know, because because these shows are, are largely awards for the arts. You also have stuff like the ESPYs and the, you know, the offshoot, the dumb like single sport offshoots where they like turned the NBA awards into like their own show. Um, but. You know, part of the reason that these things continue to to persist is that, you know, TV networks are starving. 
yeah. for live events mm-hmm. because it's the last bastion of what can get people to turn on their TV at a specifically prescribed time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just not, it is just not the model that all of the other entertainment is around now. I mean, think of the movies. Um, Coda is, I believe, an Apple Apple TV yep. um, product. That is not something that you make an appointment to go see. Um, uh, Power of the Dog was the other movie that was mentioned a lot as is a, a uh, movie to see. Um, a lot of awards around it. That's a Netflix film, like purposefully not in theaters. Um, and so, I mean, there's just this real disconnect with, uh, you know, why we do these and, and who this is, who this is for. If you're someone who is watching your movies on streaming and maybe even high minded about it, you're all of a sudden going to figure out what what channel ABC or if you even have access to it so you can go see wait three plus hours and see if that movie <laughs> that you liked like got validated by people you probably do not care about because you are likely under 40 years old. I mean, well, people you at best don't care about and at worst actively despise. Yeah. And and I understand that sometimes there are I mean, there have been these graphs to make them more appealing um you know every year there's much discussion about who is playing at the grammys i understand that is exciting people want to watch the musicians but part of the discussion is also people who have said i'm not submitting my stuff for for grammy nominations because mm-hmm. i think that they're corrupt which they are we, we should say they're corrupt they're abusive the, the grammy organization has a lot of problems and they've tried to fix it and and obviously the oscars have their own problems with um, you know, hashtag Oscars so white. This year, <laughs> we talked about Questlove. You mentioned you mentioned Will Smith. These are both winners. They had um, they had uh, three hosts, I believe, all women comedians. So they're making these efforts. They had a weird seating arrangement too. It looked more Golden Globes esque, if I recall from the screenshots I saw. But they're trying to they're doing the TSA tact, which is they they did not. Uh, they were not prescient about the shoe bomber. They w- responded afterwards. They are and the f- reactive, not proactive. They are reactive, not proactive. And the people that you want are scrolling through TikTok and cannot handle it. Uh, that's not fair. They would prefer to watch however long TikTok is than a two-hour movie about a cowboy who is a jerk to someone else. That's just not... You're not getting that audience. And at some point everybody's going to be dead and the Metamucil is going to sit on the shelves and you're going to have no one watching anymore. But hey, your great-grandfather says, don't you remember when that was the only movie that ever got made? A movie about a cowboy being a jerk to people? Like, we just call that a John Wayne movie. You have flown multiple times into an airport named for the king of movies about cowboys who were jerks to people. Yeah. Well, uh, the the other thing is I cannot imagine great uncle Norman, which is not a great uncle of mine, um, being like, why would I ever watch a movie with with subtitles? Why? And, and you know, would just be mad at the Oscars for telling them that's good. Just like with the Grammys every year, like, you know, I, I like Adele fine, but that's not the movie I gravitate or music I gravitate to. And 
the Grammys is not going to, they don't get part of it is these organizations don't carry weight anymore. Absolutely. These are, these are bad. These are bad fits for the modern times because, you know, what, what we've done with the sort of cultural landscape is we have made it possible through some combination of technology and, you know, communication platforms and whatnot for there to be infinite, you know, uh, like infinite subcultures are not, and they're not even subcultures anymore. That's, that's kind of the whole point is that there are like infinite cultural possibilities and, and there's kind of no such thing really as like an underground niche because like everyone is just up above ground now. Yeah. And the, the Oscars, the Grammys, these are attempts to turn things into monoculture and say this was the the best album of the year. And like, I don't know, the the number of times in recent memory, like if I've even looked at what were the the albums nominated for album of the year, the Grammys, um, I would look and be like, huh. I haven't listened to, I don't know, any of these. Yeah. Um, so f- fuck you. What if I don't think it's the best <laughs> album of the year? And like, there, so this is actually, I, I don't want to spoil the 90s, a book for you, but like, this is actually something that gets discussed pretty heavily in the, the chapter about the development of, you know, a, a previous version of the modern internet is like, it used to be the case that these other things, these uh, n- these niches like foreign movies, were so uh, you know were onerous enough to find mm-hmm. that like you'd get into something like that and you would dig down the rabbit hole of those movies and you would like work to find the other people that had them. And like that was the way that you established your your niche. And now it's just like you can find, I don't know, you can find a hundred thousand TikToks of corgis dancing to a specific type of music in ten minutes if you want to. Yeah. I I you've you mentioned two important things, which is which is the monoculture and then timing. You mentioned ten minutes, you also mentioned reviewing the year. Um monoculture is just not something that's really defined now it is something that is is felt um we frequently come back to tiger king and its moment in the sun or the swamp or that the the everglade um and that was a moment you it was part of the monoculture um but now monoculture is basically a 15 minutes of fame you feel it you remember you remember how people felt about watching that thing but you don't like do you remember the thing at all it's not like the amount of time invested uh, to, let's i will give i will give this example cuz i think it works here the amount of time that i had to invest in watching mad men and then feeling like i needed mad men to win and Elizabeth uh, and Elizabeth Moss to win to validate that because I thought this is a great show the, these are great actors um, like there's a lot of time invested in that and to feel that strongly about something that is 
I mean, for how much I like it and, and refer to it and, and look to share it with people, it is a television show. And you have to invest a lot of time to feel about it. Whereas a funny TikTok of a corgi dancing or, you know, something, I don't know, really, really sad or an image that's sad that's that's viral or something like that, you feel that. And in some ways, I think feeling as opposed to saying and, and kind of uh having the bounds of what you can and can't consume. Um, I think that that, that freedom of feeling culture is, is really good, but it does kind of show how reviewing a year, if you're, you've lost, you've lost the audience by that point. Yeah. I, you know, only bad bunny has that kind of staying power that you can review (laughs) a year, the year in bad bunny. Um, yeah, it's, I, I, I get that. It's, it's, because I'm not an award show watcher, I think the way that I I sort of most keenly feel this is when music publications put out their like year end album and song lists, and you know I've I've sort of reached a point where I don't really use those things in any meaningful way as like an indicator of what's been good uh so much as i use it as a roadmap of all of the things that i missed over the last year um i just like i feel like i'm constantly catching up to stuff uh and i think that that's a thing that has happened you know i think that's a thing that's been happening to people a lot lately and and like really accelerated and exaggerated by the conditions of the pandemic like you know you've you've talked to us on on multiple occasions about feeling like you have sort of lost the times that you might normally listen to music and on yeah. the one hand i want to like that doesn't compute for me because i'm a person that just like spends an inordinate chunk of my day with headphones in so like it even even if i'm working like it's not really you know out of the realm of possibility for me to still listen to and enjoy music but like i don't know it it's been a a pretty major disruption and and if you really had if you had something like music you know particularly ingrained into your routine in a certain way like i can't imagine how how much having that routine tossed on its head would upset your your personal apple cart so like i don't know i have no leg to stand on to say i don't know you could have listened to new music like of course you could have, but yeah. what's that's a what a dumb thing to say after the last two years. Yeah, and at the same time is is like yeah, I definitely of all the times in some ways it, it's it's as good as others. Um, but you know, in catching up, there is there is plenty to catch up on, and and maybe that's part of it too. Is there is always so much to catch up on? There it feels like there are way more movies and way more TV shows and and probably more music because it can be produced in in. Um, shared independently it's like I've got plenty I've got my own little circle so why add something to it as well where I should listen to it because the they says that that I I should and and you know you then you pick your little your little culture bastions to to 
tell you if it's if it's pitchfork or stereo gum or I don't know your friend's music or your friend's movie blog or or something like that that you know you find your institutions that you want to follow and I think that there is something to be said about people choosing their own institutions being problematic but there is obviously problematic with with the monoculture of old as well so we go both ways I would also point out that with these um with these award shows in some ways this instance where they're deciding who's part of the club, who can be promoted, who can be pushed aside, um, and it's it's usually this this concentrated group group of ultimately older white guys. Um, we're really starting to get into Gamergate stuff, and like the same criticisms can be applied here, which is this resistance to it allowing women and non-binary and and persons of color into these groups. The difference is is uh, not that not that the Oscars or the Golden Globes or the Grammys have a conscience, but there are those ad <laughs> dollars that go to TV. So they have to at least make it look like they're welcoming as opposed to classic Gamergate stuff. Well, yeah, they're not immoral. They're amoral. They are. Um, they are amoral. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. Like this is this pattern is playing itself out all over our society you know it's this is the same thing that is going on with you know so much of the discussion around free speech and and quote unquote cancel culture like you you just you know i i was i was scrolling on the tweet machine today and and i saw uh, a history professor who had had made some criticisms of an editorial that the new york times published a couple weeks ago called america has a free speech problem and you know he had he had kind of immediately in the moment put out some critiques of it and this was him circling back two weeks later to kind of address the responses that he got and you know uh one of the most fascinating things that he he said was like if you peel back any of the layers of this rotten onion what you see is that there is like no argument there is no reasonable argument that there is actually writ large in american society less free speech in 2022 than there was in say 1950 there just isn't there's no leg to stand on there is undeniably more speech happening at every given millisecond than like anyone who was alive in the fifties could even conceive of. So then you start peeling back layers and you realize what's changing is that people who in that previous time period may not have had quite as much free speech power might not have had as much of a societal foothold are starting to get it. And surprise, surprise, the people that have been in the position of power all this time super duper don't like that and are lashing out. And like this is this award show thing is like a it's a perfect example of it. You know, what is what is the Academy, if not a a group of self-serving, largely older white men who, you know, are love to reward things like movies about movies yeah and like 
there's just there's so much more entertainment out there that this in, in a lot of ways the the continued existence of the oscars period just feels like you know raging against the dying of the light yeah and ultimately you could you could respond and you could say uh what about coda or what about nomadland or what about moonlight and i would say yeah those are movies that have won but are are those stories the ones and and those directors and those casts are those the things that are being invested in and we know what francis mcdormand said about it um and about having having the cast and crew being reflective of like what what america where the place that you are filming the movie looks like and they're to go back to it acting like you have morals is not the same as living morally or (laughs) or living fairly or or equitably. Um, And I think that comes out as like, it's really easy to give an award. Um, I will, I will go back to Mad Men really quick. If you'll allow me, Um, there is, there is, no, um, there is a scene where they talk about, they give someone an award for doing something that is to the outside morally good. But then they say, because you did that, these people will never work with you because because you know you bit the hand that fed basically so i mean that's it ultimately is like these award shows can act like they're doing good but like it really is putting your money where your screen time is and and i think that it's maybe best for the gen zers that they're just like what is this even and and i would i i would say that um the only award show that really has this right and is probably still worth watching is uh, the MTV Video Music Awards and Movie Awards because they have understand understood since the start that this is not it, it's not so much about the awards but it is about what is happening at the event is it pamela anderson and and kid rock showing up and being like we just had sex in the car or like you know britney spears's kiss way back when and and things like that it is it is a viral driven event and that will draw people in because it is truly an event as opposed to a stodgy affair where the awards quote unquote matter they don't matter there it just matters that you you can be part of the conversation the next day which if that's not content i don't know what is well yeah but then we we've we've inadvertently introduced uh a, an alternate timeline in which uh by virtue of the incident being undeniably attention grabbing mm-hmm. uh this actually was the greatest oscars of all time mm-hmm. and i don't know that i want to live in that world um <laughs> Sometimes you don't want that much reality TV. You would prefer it to be wrestling. And this was not wrestling, which is the problem. The VMAs mm. is wrestling and it's <laughs> well produced. This is like this is it's it's live it's live sports when when you have a game and it's in a pivotal time, you know, a time spot and you have UNC playing and you're like, great, great, great. This is what we wanted. And they're playing St. Peter's. So you're like, ah, people just aren't going to watch. And if, if, if David slays Goliath 
how much are they really going to care? Well, as, as a bad man with an awful blonde mustache and a disturbing bandana fetish once said, you don't work yourself into a shoot. You don't shoot your way into work, brother. Uh, so let's let's instead go from the worst timeline to the best timeline, which is the one where we move on to Pierce Asari. What are you apologizing for today? Um, so I, I had the misfortune today of not having my work computer really available to me at all. And it reminds me of, I, I did learn how far you can get using your phone and the different applications on it and, you know, Teams and Zoom and everything else. So that was, it was great. I really didn't miss that much. Um, I've also gotten a bit more attached to my work phone, which traditionally I don't use because I have a computer. Why not just use that? Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I have apologized to this this uh, leadership level person a couple weeks ago. He has a he has a pretty blunt way of speaking, but he was he was interacting with me, and I just I usually don't have my phone near me, and people know to contact me by not my phone, um, and he did, um, to the tune of. <laughs> I did not respond for about two hours, which is, this is not someone that you wait that long to respond to. And I said, basically, sorry, I I didn't have my phone near me. Um, I hope you're able to get the answer from this other person. And, and the person responded, uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't wait on you or otherwise I'd be dead in a ditch, which were his exact words. And I responded and said, I'm really sorry. In future, I will leave my ringer on like an adult. So I've had the ringer on my phone since then. I haven't missed anything from this person, but I do have my ringer on and I, I turn it off like in the evening, but I just, I hear the, the bings and the rings and I feel like a real true old person, <laughs> but I, I have to, so I don't leave anyone dead in a ditch. Now your, your apology is not to yourself for turning the ringer on. Right. No, it is to the person. I because I missed their call, but but now the ringer is is maybe bothering other people in my household. But I'm not apologizing for that yet. I mean, I'd I'd perhaps argue that that the the dead in a ditch comment uh, removes your need to apologize. But yeah, whatever. Uh, what 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 can you do? Uh, so let's let's do a big idea from pop culture. Uh, and and I I know that I have already, I have already sort of promoted this, the basketball Illuminati podcast, in in this here segment before, uh. But I, it's not it hasn't been terribly long since we recorded the last pod, and uh, I I was listening to a new episode that came out yesterday, uh, and they did. They did this segment that just tickled me so much that I I have to celebrate it here. Um, I, I don't know how familiar you are, Pierce, with uh, NBA Twitter, but uh, when at, at the end of games, teams post these sort of images, like oh. the, the template, the like win loss final score template. <laughs> And it shows the score and it's a, you know, it's usually a picture of a player Mm -hmm. and someone pointed out recently uh, that they hadn't seen LeBron show up as the face 
of a Lakers loss in mm-hmm. in quite a while, or maybe at all. Mm-hmm. And and so the the basketball Illuminati gang, and I think this was specifically Tom Haberstroh, uh, dug in and found that uh, this season, not only has LeBron James not ever been the face the social media face of a Lakers loss in a game that he played in neither has Anthony Davis and neither has Russell Westbrook that's correct and also there was another guy who did this research I I, I assume independently well, this, so, like, so this guy Kenny like, Beecham is the one yeah, who had done it. the LeBron research and so that sparked them to look into like all the other star players in the league mm-hmm. who it turns out uh quite frankly are are very frequently the face of of their team's losses on social media yeah um i believe the the star uh who had who had been uh scapegoated in the highest percentage of losses that they played in kevin durant i i that was that actually came to mind. But that's the thing. This is this is a league that is right now built on individual brilliance. Put that person's face up there as much as you can. Why Go for not? it. They score 40 points and lose by 30. Fine. Why Put not? it up there. Yeah. Instead, the Lakers just keep scapegoating Malik Monk. I mean, Rob Palenka, I, I know that there are other problems, but it's like not if, wrong. if if Rob Palenka had had a backbone, you know, he could just say no to LeBron or be like, I appreciate your feedback. What about this thing? But he clearly has no ideas and he has no backbone. Am I being a LeBron apologist? Yes, but but also hire a GM that has done GMing before. I mean, okay, but like I don't know. It it it's it's given rise to a thought that like it's got to be written into his contract essentially that they can't oh, yeah. do this. It's like it's the Vin Diesel and the, and the Rock Fast and the Furious contract where they like neither of them can actually win a fight or neither of them can lose a fight, and so that gets really tricky when they have to you know fight each other. Um, mm. I just I I well, to my point. Agents make great players. They don't make great teams. It's an, it's just an impossibly vain thing. And like, I don't know if anyone is, is still coming around to the knowledge that LeBron James is almost impossibly vain. Uh, welcome to Earth, I guess. I've, get, do, do you know how people make money? It's not <laughs> from not being vain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> Have you seen all the penis rockets they're sending into space? okay uh well now that we've done that uh it's a little weird to do if it's just you but do you want to do a a rolling stone rock trivia question since we didn't kevin actually did send kevin did send in that he guesses a which okay then i I guess we i guess we have to do one then um oh and this actually this will be perfect for this will be perfect for kevin uh so which group broke the beatles record for the highest charting debut single in the U.S. by a mm-hmm. British band, was it Kevin's guess? A. Radiohead. B. Bush. C. The Spice Girls. Or D. Oasis. Oh, this is a great question. Um, 
I think C. I think it's Spice Girls. My dude, you are correct. Yes. Wannabe topped the charts for four weeks in early 19... Uh, I almost said 1977. 1997. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Zig-a-zig-ha and whatnot. Um, um, oh, before we go, I, I said ombudsman earlier, and that was absolutely the wrong word. I... I I don't know what I was thinking. I didn't. I didn't correct you. I I knew it was wrong. Uh, but mm-hmm. I figured it it would be odd to derail the whole podcast over that. Uh, but you know, a good around the horn style correction at the end. I I, I like it. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Sorry to Kevin who somehow got a trivia question wrong despite not even being here to answer it. Um. Uh, for for what it's worth. Uh, a was not the correct answer for any of the possible ones that I had picked out <laughs> anyway. So uh, even even before uh, even before he had sent in his guess, he was doomed to be wrong. Uh, yeah, that's that's the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com, or you can subscribe to the show feed on your podcast app of choice. If you do that, please leave a rating, review, comment, that sort of thing, or just tell a friend about the show we'd love to share it with them as well we'll be back next week to talk about something else until then i'm sean i'm here thanks for listening